Morning, team. Half term. Christo sleeping. Very tired this morning. Yeah, we both sleep on settees. Different yeah. settees, I should point out. <laughs> I love sleeping on the settee. I love it as well. I, I love I, it. I have passed out on my sofa so many times. I love it. Do you sleep sitting up? Or no, I I, I you end up lift your feet up. I lift my feet up because oh. it's, it's quite a it's it's quite a wide sofa. Don't say anything, and it's quite long as well. Um, Again, don't say anything. <laughs> don't say anything. <laughs> but it's uh, it's, uh, it's it's very yeah. comfy. My, mine's actually a big. It's a two seater, but it's yeah. a big two. Yes, same with mine. And it's got big high things here, and it's, it sounds horrible. It's in velour, but. Oh. Um, <laughs> I know, but I, I bought it in John Lewis years ago. Yeah. And I've oh, just had all the cushions re, redone again. Good quality, then. It's beautiful. Even the woman said to me, she said, this will last you for the rest of your life. Yeah. I said, how long do you think I'm going to live? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, maybe, what colour is it? Red. Oh, well, maybe I could have that in your will. No, but I've, I've got <laughs> cushions, which I bought from the London Transport Museum. Oh, really? Those ones which are made out of the same maquette that they use on the tube trains <laughs> and the buses. <laughs> They're really nice. Oh, lovely. Red, green and red in bars and yeah. things like that. Look very nice indeed. Oh, well, I look forward to seeing them. Well, yeah, I'll bring in a photo for you, hey. if not. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I, I can sit there watching telly, and it's that action of you just just put your feet yeah. up, and then you put, and you think, oh, it's quite nice. This. I'll just put a cushion I'm, under my head, and I'll watch the TV with I the cushion. I don't even put a cushion under my head. Yeah. i just lie against it. Oh, 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 it's delicious. It's lovely. I could do it now. See, my sofa is from Ikea, and it's ten years old, and it's brilliant. Yeah. Do you know what? It's, it's, like, Ikea sometimes gets a bad press, and it, I get very annoyed with Ikea, but it's great. It's the most comfy sofa. Because I hate a sofa, right, that's, yeah. that you sit there, and you when you sit back... You don't... Your head isn't supported. I hate the ones where... You know, like Chesterfields, right. where you put your head back I've had cars like that in the morning, strangely enough. I had a car this morning which was a, a Prius. Yeah. Or Prius, whatever they call it. And, and that's actually really comfy in the back. Yeah. It's, it just seems... Whereas I've had a Mercedes... That's not as comfy no. in the back. It's never, it's never there where you need it. But the Prius was was really it's very good. comfy. Yeah. yeah, there's the sofa in there in your studio. Oh, that, have you ever laid down on that? Uh, I uh, no, of course not. <laughs> of course that's, not. That's really nice. <laughs> that one's very good as well. We brought that with us. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, it's comfy as well, though, isn't it? Yeah. Go on, go, go to, to bed then. Go to bed. Go to bed. Nice to see you. Sleep well. See you tomorrow. See you It'll again. be me again. Again? It'll be me again at the, oh, this time it? in the morning. I think so, yeah. Oh, OK. Well, make sure you turn up, otherwise it'll be me. Yes, <laughs> do you know, I thought about that this morning. I was sitting in front of the television, having a shave, watching whatever it was I was watching, thinking, what would he do if I phoned up and went, listen, I'm really sorry, I'm not going to better make it in this morning. And you're sitting there at, say, two in the morning going, what, another five hours? <laughs> Are you serious? Because that, sadly, ladies, is what you have to do. Yeah, it's true. If a presenter doesn't turn yes. up the one before, what well, do you remember when I was I was doing the show before you once, and you you, you started, and you were like, oh, I'm feeling a bit under the weather. Yes, that was one of my days. And he had to come back on for an hour. I remember when, when Nick was late one morning, ages ago, and so I, I sit there for the first hour, and then then Nick turns up. I thought actually I turned about half an hour or something like that. But that, that's what you're supposed to do in the business. Nobody can ever go home until the next until the next person turns up or, yeah, or producer. Yeah, it's true. Or anybody. Yeah. No, you have to do that. I don't it's, like, it's, like a, it's like a relay. You're handing over the baton. So I'm handing you the baton now. Yes, yes, you thank are. you. And I'm grasping it with both hands. <laughs> Whoopee. See you tomorrow. Bye. Take care. Christo, back with you. And was, that's, that's, that's the square, isn't it, in New Zealand? I'm looking at the devastation. This is where part of the uh, cathedral has, uh, has fallen off. And uh, quite amazing, actually. Quite amazing. Uh, Warren is just off to bed. Um... You know that Kevin on that site, Warren, died, don't you? You know that Kevin on that site died? That's a private joke between me and Warren. It's not even a joke, actually. And uh, I'm told it wasn't natural causes, either. 
So, anyway. Oh, who won the iPad on Sunday? You know, Sunday we had the big iPad, and, uh, and I was thinking, how much will it go for? How much will this thing go for? Well, it went to Hillary from London. Can't be many people listening called Hillary, can there? It's an unusual name. I know a Hillary in Twickenham. And uh, she made it on Sunday at six minutes past nine, a bit of 95 pence. So she gets the iPad. Be funny if it's that Hillary, wouldn't it? Be funny if it's my Hillary, as they say. <laughs> How cool is that? But anyway, well done, Hillary. 95p gets you the iPad. Saved you a few hundred pounds on that one, I think. Saved you a few hundred pounds. Wait a minute, I don't know, I'm on to What the hell are all these things? Oh, I don't even know what half this stuff is. Oh, there it is. I seem to have all sorts of strange things on my computer. Having sort of typed into it. Good news about the monkeys reforming. I've got a DVD at home. And I'm sure that, um, that Noreen's got it as well. And it's the monkeys, um, um, it's the monkeys on tour in America. And I think it's 2002. And only three of them were there. Mike Nesmith didn't tour with them. And, um, there were three, and most of the songs were sung by Mickey Dolenz. Except for the, oh, I could hide neat the wings of the bluebird and she sings. Which is the one that everybody sings along to. It doesn't matter where you are. If you're in a disco or you're at rugby or at the Barmy Arms when they have rugby and they're sing-alongs. And everybody sings along to, beyond sleepy Jean, oh, what can it mean to a daydream believer? And everybody loves it. And the more drink you have, the better the song goes. But that was sung by Davy Jones. It's got a, they had a rundown, in fact, in all the papers today. They say, oh, they're going to get back together. And I thought, but they were touring America. And they did really, really well. Because people wanted to see them. I know that they're about 65, 70 now. In fact, I think uh, Peter Talk is about 68. And he was a guest in conversation. If you check through the archives, you will find Peter Talk. He's on there. And uh, I think he's been married three times. He's had cancer. He's had, you know, the whole business. But uh, all the rest of them could, with the exception, I think, of Mike Nesmith. I don't think Mike Nesmith will tour because his grandmother, was it his grandmother, invented the uh, liquid paper, uh, the, uh, what, we, what we know as Tipex. His, uh, his grandmother, I think, invented that. So he's ended up with about 30 million quid. So he really doesn't need to work. And, uh, and then I had to check out all the monkeys' DVDs and they're all on Amazon, but to buy Series 1 is about 40 quid, and I thought it was a bit too much, so I haven't, uh, haven't committed myself to that one, I'm afraid, at the moment. But uh, Nori says, wouldn't mind seeing them for old time's sake, but we will be going abroad at the crack of dawn the day after they're on in London. So we recorded Alan Carr with some of the Only Wears Essex people on it. Never seen the show, so see what they're like. You'll be horrified. You'll absolutely be horrified. Uh, anyway, I did check the other day. Do you remember we had the pictures of inside the London Hippodrome, here on the corner, Frank Matcham's great surviving theatre from the 1900s, built as a circus. And it's going to be a casino. It's been a, been a lot of things. And we went behind the scenes and we, we took these fabulous pictures. Well, record numbers of, uh, of hits, record numbers of, uh, of people looking at the site and having a look at the photographs there, because it's something you'd never see. And I, I look very good in a hard hat and a flowery shirt. Somebody said that was the only... The combination of my big coat, the little... Why well, I have to wear a fluorescent jacket over the top? It doesn't even go with anything I was wearing. Put it on, and then with the hard hat on top of it, which kept falling into my eyes, because I didn't adjust it properly, and they kept moving up and down. But it was, it was really good. 
It was a very, very good day out. So well done to you for checking out all the pictures. And the Arthur Lloyd site as well, which has had record number of hits. Everybody trying to catch up on all the old theatres that they used to go to. Um, I can't help feeling, now that we've kicked Kerry Katona out of the uh, Dancing on Ice, mainly because she made no effort whatsoever. I mean, she really was a complete waste of space. All the judges said exactly the same. You haven't improved one iota since you came in. And I thought, why would she? She's only there for the money. She's not there for anything else. Uh, And she's already dropped the hint that she'd like to be in the final I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, the winner's one. And so that's all she does now. She just does that, but she's off uh, on holiday. But the front page of The Sun and the TV biz pullout, Kerry, I need sex. I can't help feeling that as her children appear to be of the age where they can read, they're going to be reading and going, Mum, what's that? And you think to yourself, she's either the world's most stupid person or she is as lame and as tacky as everybody thinks she is. I need sex. Yes, this computer's not doing what it's supposed to do, is it, this morning? I thought not. I didn't recognise anything that was on there. So we'll we'll just... Hang on, we'll just log out of here, because I thought she can't do her stuff next door. And she's got a type of recipe for spaghetti bolognese for vegetarians. So it's like the spaghetti but without the bowl bit. And uh, so it's just spaghetti. Spaghetti hoops. I like spaghetti hoops, actually. Um... Also, the paper today. I did think this was going to happen, and I'm 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 a bit a bit sad about it because over in Emmerdale, the uh, the guy who is paralysed, they're going to uh, they're going to let him die in an assisted suicide. It's only a, it's only a soap. It's not real. Okay, it's not real. It's not, okay, it's just in case people think it's real. It's not. It's just he's just an actor. He does walk. He's not in a wheelchair. Uh, it's like Ironside. The first time people saw Ironside walking, they went. You're not in a wheelchair. You think, oh, God, you can't be that stupid. But anyway, uh, Jackson Walsh's mother and his lover crush a lethal dose of tablets in a drink. And um, I I think they're doing it to chase ratings. Although why somebody's assisted suicide is going to chase ratings? I've got no idea. I feel a bit sorry for him because I could see the story was going nowhere. He was all right till he had the accident. And... uh, and, Until Aaron then disappeared off with somebody else. And, of course, we've got his mum, Hazel... In it, uh, who we love, that's Pauline Quirk, because I've just bought two more series of Birds of a Feather. Looking forward to seeing those a little bit later on today. Uh, Alistair Thompson of the Care Not Killing Alliance says, I hope this is done for the right reason and not to chase ratings. Well, it will be to chase ratings. They'll do it sensitively, but they have to do that, don't they? Got to follow guidelines. Do you remember when Ethel Skinner in EastEnders took morphine pills aided by Dot? I mean, assisting suicide can lead to 14 years in prison, but not for her. I see the big, fat uh, gypsies are out again. It's an attractive family, isn't it? These are our sons, the fighters. <laughs> it's just appalling, it really is. And now it means that Paddy uh, Doherty, or Doherty, uh, has got police guard, because apparently you've broken the gypsy code. I mean, God, it's like dealing with sort of a bunch of idiots, isn't it, really? You've broken the gy- They're not gypsies. They're not gypsies, they're travellers. It's different, OK? Gypsies everywhere going, we don't look like this. So they've got a picture of them outside the court looking hard, looking hard. And you think, it's a bit of a shallow existence, but it's the best they can manage. And now it turns out that Paddy Doherty's teenage son is under armed police guard in hospital after he was shot in the head the other day. So it's just all going pear-shaped, isn't it? And uh, now his cousin, because everybody's your cousin somewhere... Somewhere along the line. Everybody's called... All the kids are taught to call people aunties and uncles. So They're not really. Just that's the way it turns out. And now, 
uh, Johnny Joyce, because they've all got these funny names. It's like, you know, Aaron Antics or Johnny Joyce or Bob Bilbo. Or so. They've all got... It's a, so it doesn't get too... So you can call them JJ. So it doesn't make it too, too complicated. Uh, they've uh, now said of Johnny, he's a liar, a cheat and a scumbag. He's a coward for going to the police. So that's a cheery thought for the day, isn't it? So he's now got a police guard, which we're paying for. Charming, isn't it? Quarter past five. These are the headlines. A strong earthquake has struck New Zealand overnight. The city of Christchurch on the southern island has been badly hit. Dozens of buildings have collapsed, including part of a cathedral. A number of people are believed to have died and a state of emergency has been declared. It should soon be easier for parents to adopt children from a different race. Guidelines are being changed. Until now, social workers have been told that the best thing to do, that that was the best thing to do, but should no longer be a so-called deal-breaker. Finally, the Defence Secretary will promise later to tackle mismanagement that's left a £36 billion hole in his department's budget. Leanne Fox will lay the blame for overspending on Labour, saying it had created a culture of optimism among officials. Let's have a check on the uh, state of the roads for you this morning. It's Jay Louise. Thank you, Steve. Good morning. Well, it's expected to be quieter than usual this week. because. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. 19 minutes past five. It's Steve Allen. It's early breakfast. It's LBC now. And after poor... Uh, uh, poor New Zealanders who got uh, that earthquake, which you heard us talking about on LBC, uh, through the night, and they went over there to talk to one of the reporters. They'll uh, talk about that later on today. Uh, just a little bit further round the coast, unfortunately, um, 107 whales beach themselves. The same pod. I don't know why they do it. Nobody ever understands exactly uh, why why they do it, but they all beach themselves on the beach, and they die, and they can't do anything about it. They just they have this this death wish. I don't, I don't know what it is. Mind you, the other place they have to stay away from, isn't it, if you're a whale, is the Faroe Islands, where every year they have this bloodbath where they herd all the whales in and then just massacre them. I'm not saying like a most disgusting thing. But when, they, when the whales do it themselves, you feel a bit sorry. A bit sorry for them, I'm afraid. Uh, in the papers today, apart from the fact that you get day two of Sherry Hewson's story, just while she wasn't on the Loose Women yesterday, because I'm sure they would have uh, said something to her, perhaps she needs the money. I don't know why actresses, after a while, tell you they've not had sex for ten years. I mean, who's remotely interested in that? It's not very good. I'm a celebrity is planning an all-star special, uh, but former campers are refusing to take part because they hate each other. That'll be Janice Dickinson. I mean, she's off her trolley, isn't she? Jordan. I mean, really, a bit sad. Yeah, yawn, yawn. And Gillian McKeith. Even bigger yawn. Even bigger yawn. Mad as a bloody brush, I'm afraid. Uh, battered by lover, betrayed by hubby. Loose women star. I was an emotional wreck. Oh, shut up. Shut up, shut up, shut up. Why do you want to do this? Why do you want to put yourself through it? You just make yourself look stupid. Nobody's interested. We know you've got a book out, but frankly, I mean, it's as dreary as dreary because it shatters all the public's illusions. I don't think people need to know about what goes on in your private life. You know, you tell them so much, but you don't just sort of stand it, oh, you know, it's awful, awful kind of thing. A uh, lot on uh, Gaddafi's children who live a life of luxury. One of whom is, of course, friends with, wait for it, Prince Andrew again, I'm afraid. Somebody, do you think Prince Andrew's older brother needs to... Hey, Andy, come in here. Can you try and pick some better people? You've really, you're picking all the low lives. Try and pick some people, you know, you should have a conversation with. You're not the brightest penny in the box. We all remember the stories of you and Vicky Hodge on the island. It was well documented. We all remember the sun printed that nude picture of you. And that was quite funny. Because they had a little a little crown covering the crown jewels, as they politely put it. And it was Andrew in New Zealand, I think, 
going under a waterfall for some reason naked. Oh, my God. Imagine the Queen going, oh, dear. And uh, so, far from poor old Sarah Ferguson, who is a bit of a numpty, you know, being the, uh, the black sheep of the family, he's not far off it either. He seems to pick all the wrong friends. Yesterday, out with a convicted paedophile, a man who groomed 14-year-old girls for prostitution, and he doesn't seem to think there's anything wrong with this. You know, um, if, well, anyway, if I did it or she did it or anything else like that, people would be saying, are you sure? Sure that's right? Sure that's right? 84850, steve at uk. Russell Brand says that fame hasn't made him happy. But it doesn't make you happy, fame. It really doesn't. And he says he's still a bit miserable. I'm famous now, he said. I didn't used to be, but when I was younger, I wanted to be famous. I thought it would make me happy. Let me tell you now, fame and money does not make you happy. Look how miserable Kerry Katona is. <laughs> Look how miserable Jordan is. They've got fame, they've got money, but they're really miserable. No, but, you know, you, you have to learn how to manage it. And the way you manage it is, is you sort of do your work and then you put it away and you leave it and you go off and you do something else. It's very difficult to try and explain to somebody, especially kids at school nowadays, what do you want to be? I want to be famous. Yeah, but why? Well, it's got the house. Oh, right, so a house means that you're famous. Well, a big house, yeah. And money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And girlfriends? Yeah, yeah, page three girls. Uh, OK, how, how do you want to get this? I don't know. Pop singer? I don't know. Something like that. Anything that gives me money. So nobody's actually got any, any ambitions. And you get kids at school. And you go, what do you want to be? I want to be famous. So they don't actually have... We used to have in our school... I'm sure, I don't know if they still have it now. We used to have the, uh, the careers advisor who would come in and you would go in there and they'd have all these... We used to have open days at the school for if you were thinking of leaving school. They'd, you know, would you like to be a policeman? Would you like to be, you know, this or that? And they had all the different people there who were trying to entice you to be in, in, in their particular camp. And so I, went, I was going to be an estate agent. That's what my mother thought would be good. She said, why, why do you... So I went and trained with an estate agent. God, it was boring. Oh, it was so dull. It was really the most boring thing. And then I did something with a travel agent. And I tried to do that. I couldn't work out... I used to, I used to work for this travel agency in Newbury. It's still there. Shouldn't be too difficult to find. And they used to have the contract for Aldermaston. Now, Aldermaston was where all the atomic scientists are. And what they used to do was send their scientists around the world. So they would say, for example, Dr Sin uh, wants to go from London to Munich. He's got a conference there. Then he flies from Munich to Tokyo. From Tokyo, I need a connection on to... And you had to go through this world travel guide, which had every flight in the world in a book. Bearing in mind, we didn't have computers. So you could just type it in and the computer would find it. You had to go through his book and physically find. So working out, did he have enough time when he landed in Tokyo to make a connection onto Istanbul or wherever it was? And, you'd have to, and then you had to fill out these tickets, some of whom had 20 different flights on them. It was a nightmare. It was just the world's... I hated it. It was the most boring thing under the sun. Anything but filling out flight tickets. Nowadays, it's because you get an e-ticket, it's all on the computer, and just turn up and it's all written there with your name and the, and the flight. But in those days, you had to work it all out. And it was terribly difficult. Ter- so I didn't bother with those things. I'd pass them on to somebody else, let somebody else do them. It's like, years ago, there used to be a presenter at LBC who was very popular and used to get lots of letters in from people. And when he left, uh, they opened his, his cupboard and about 500 letters fell out. He hadn't opened them because he didn't have the time to open all these letters. I mean, it was just so many letters that came in. And I remember thinking that I used to keep all my letters. I used to work overnight, so I used to keep every letter. And for about 15 years, I traipsed around with these letters until I got to Staines and I had a shed at the back of the garden and there were 12 box files 
with all these letters. And letters from people who are artists, and they used to do little drawings on there and things like that. In fact, one of the girls who used to write to me was very famous. I won't tell you her name, but she died of, of anorexia before people really knew what it was. And she came to our party. We used to have a party on New Year's Eve in the studio and invite in about 20 people. We used to have, you know, a bottle of wine between 20 of us and some nibbles and stuff like that. And she came in and, and we'd just sort of chat and I'd do the programme with all the people there. It was our, our New Year's Eve party. It was quite good. But uh, she, she sort of... And I kept all these things until I then thought, what... Oh, here we go already. Look at that. And then I thought, what am I going to do with all these letters? What am I going to do with them? So I threw them away. They, had, they just had to go. And, and afterwards, I remember thinking... I should have really sat down and gone through each and every one, but you just don't have the time to do that nowadays. You need somebody to archive things, and unfortunately, uh, we didn't have time to archive, which is, uh, which is not very good, is it? Uh, so, the Sun this morning, they're now saying that uh, Gaddafi has, has fled the capital. He's saying he's not. He's saying he's still there. Uh, we won't know until probably a little bit later on today. Uh, here's the, uh, you've broken the traveller code kind of thing, which is probably going to run. Uh, Kerry Katona says, Dancing on Ice has given her a new body, now she wants a new man. Why don't you just, just go away, dear? Why don't you just do all of us a big, big favour? We're not interested. We've seen how naff and boring you are. We've seen how talentless you are. We don't need to see you on any more programmes at all. Go away. Jason Manford is cashing in on his Twitter sex fame with, wait for it, an autobiography. No, so, so you didn't mind talking about the, uh, the sex thing in an autobiography, Jason. Funny that, isn't it? There's me thinking you were being a little bit precious, you know, about, oh, I don't want to talk about that because somebody slagged me off about it. Oh, dear, Jason. Oh, dear. Mind you, wave the old golden shilling. You'll bend over and take it. Take it. Jason Gardner has warned that uh, favourites Sam Atwater and Brianne Delcourt could miss out on the Dancing and Ice title because their relationship has fizzled, fizzled out. You know when people, they have these pretend relationships and they think because, he thinks because of that the public are going to lose interest. Anyway, Kerry won't be appearing in the Dancing on Ice tour uh, because she's busy looking after her four children. Really? She managed to do the, oh no, actually she didn't do Dancing on Ice, did she? She just turned up and took, took the money. So that's good. Cheeky Chloe Maidley, a bit tacky I'm afraid, flirted online with Canadian pro Colin, whatever his name is. She wrote to him, the doctor told me I had some mouth problems. I need a Canadian to kiss me. God. <laughs> I'm sure she's the daughter of Richard and Judy. I mean, she's immensely tacky and cheap. She really is. Such a shame. Her brother's such a nice bloke. Really a nice bloke. She's sort of like the tacky, cheap end of the family. Um, the BBC have tried to placate MasterChef uh, viewers. They're deserting in droves, uh, mainly because the programme is vile. But I saw an even worse one the other day, and it was Market Cook-Off on Channel 5, presented by somebody I've never even heard of, with two cooks cooking in a market. Boring. LBC 97.3 In the middle of balance. I think it was called Street Market Challenge or something, and it's got... It's a, it's a really cheap, naff thing where you get two cooks again. I mean, how boring are they? And it's in Dunning Street Market, and they cook there. But I've seen that before, because I'm sure we had Chinese cooking in a market where this one was cooking. And I remember, th I th I remember thinking, that was actually quite interesting. But they've got this girl who's presenting... I've got no idea who she is. You might have to help me out if you saw it yesterday. And they've got two cooks, and they cook... Well, I turned off after three minutes. I'm surprised I lasted that long. It was blooming boring. It's, it's either that or antique programmes, isn't it? I'd be worried. 
You know, with the amount of rogues and robbers out there at the moment, to actually put yourself on an antiques programme and then go, oh, I've got this, this is a fabulous piece of, you know, stuff. And, because um, my, my auntie Enid had that. Because the Antiques Roadshow were in her area about three or four years ago. And um, they, they put one of those notes through, through the door. And they go, you know, if, if you've got anything we'd like you to, you want to be valued, give us a ring on this number and we'll, we'll include, we'll come round. If it's good, then we can put it into the Antiques Roadshow. So she phoned them up and said, I've got something in my loft that's been there for years and um, I'd love you to come round. So Julie, on the day, which I think was a Wednesday or something like that, the uh, bloke from the Antiques Roadshow turns up with a, with a, re- um, a researcher and, uh, and he said, you, you've got this item that's been in the loft. She said, yeah, she's been there as long as I've been in the house. So I've got no idea what it is. So anyway, so she, she said, we managed to get it down, put it in the, in the front room. So going to the front room, she takes the, uh, the sheet off it. He said, it's your water tank. She had no idea. Not a clue. Poor little soul. Anyway, the next thing, then the house flooded, and, and that was when she had to go into the home because she's... Uh, I mean, to be honest with you, you couldn't trust her with a box of matches if your life depended on it. You know, she used to say, oh, I like candles. I just, yeah, we haven't got any candles. That's the trouble. She was lighting things. She'd seen a programme on Blue Peter where they'd got an apple and they'd got a hazelnut and they stuck the hazelnut in the top of the apple and lit the hazelnut because the hazelnut's got oil in it and the oil burns. It's a little bit biblical. And before you knew what had happened, she's got hazelnuts stuck in everything. Bananas, any manner of soft fruit. The cat, for one moment, had the... And that was another embarrassment. As everybody's going round with, like, flaming Viking helmets on. So we had to put her in the home. It was the safest thing for her. Safer for the the neighbours. Because it's not not very nice when, you know, for the third time in a year, you've got to call out the fire brigade. Because it just just ruins everybody's night. Cheryl uh, Cole will have an army of seven staff if she wins a spot on the American show. Well, she won't. She won't get a job on the American show. They don't want her. The Americans have loads and loads of people. Somebody says here that she'll have her own stylist, chef, manicurist, masseuse, chauffeur, hairstylist and 24-hour voice coach. Want to appear on the panel? Or is that to help her sing? I don't know. I don't know what that's going for. Uh, Jordan uh, has uh, kicked top gear in the BA11S after Jeremy Clarkson seemed to make an outrageous joke about the model. Uh, because her number plate is melons. Melons. I mean, she's cheap and tacky, we know. And uh, she used to drive the truck. Of course, she's banned from driving at the moment, so that's good news, isn't it? But uh, what he said was horse box. She misheard it. And so she's, uh, she's up in arms over that. Uh, gypsy pupils, according to the Daily Star, are going to get special treatment in schools because they can't help behaving badly. So teachers... Uh, have been warned they could be disciplined if they boot out traveller children when they cause trouble in class. Well, they're only there till they're 12 anyway, aren't they? They don't bother doing anything else. So uh, they've said you've got to be careful. I thought, what I mean, I've never heard of this. Because they behave badly and that's culture. No, 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 no. Smack on the wrist, out you go. Thank you. You tired this morning? Little Actually, bit? no. I'm oh, right. All right. Actually, oh, right, OK. Early night. Oh, bits floating on it again. It's just a bit of coffee. It is a bit of coffee, isn't yeah. it? Don't worry, it'll be fine. This bit's got wings and eyes. <laughs> we used to do a thing in, in Austria. I don't know if you've ever done it. On New Year's Eve, they used to get metal, like lead. A little, so you could buy it specially. You would melt it in a spoon and drop it into water, and it formed a shape. And then you would interpret what the shape meant. Mine meant it's contorted metal in a, in a cup. But that's, that's what they do on New Year's Eve. They're very odd over there. Very odd. Just one of those funny, quaint little foreign things that they do. Do you remember the teenager we talked about on the programme called Armer Rana? Um, he moved into Wales, got adopted by a family. He said he couldn't go back to Pakistan 
because his parents had been killed and his life was in danger. <coughs> Excuse me, so he was, uh, he was adopted. He's a liar, I'm afraid. Uh, that isn't his name. Uh, his parents are alive and well. And uh, he got 4,000 people from a quiet country town where he lived to sign a Facebook petition asking to be allowed to stay. They've now said, no, no, you can't. I'm terribly sorry. You know, it's very nice. He said, oh, I'm, I'm just sending money back to my parents in Pakistan. Yes, but you're here illegally. You know, and if we let one person in, we've got to let them all in. So he's been, uh, he's going to be removed from the country. Forcibly, if necessary. Forcibly. Uh, more on uh, former Home Secretary Jackie Smith. I really think she should have kept her mouth closed on this one. But uh, she's opened up about husband Richard's porn film expenses scandal. She also claimed her expenses were checked more carefully because she's a woman. She told Radio Times, I was more frozen than angry. I couldn't believe that we, both of us, had put in this claim. I know it was my expenses people looked at first because I was a woman and should have been at home looking after my family. Don't be so silly. <laughs> Honestly, they do talk rubbish, don't they, some of these politicians? They checked your expenses because you're a woman. You were caught out, you silly woman. You were caught out. Your husband watched porn. Hello? So they've got a picture of him in one of the papers standing outside a porn shop in Soho. How stupid are you? Do you know, I tell you what, I wish people, you know, you can understand the royal family because they don't know anything better and they're born into it. MPs are just ordinary people who fancy a freeloading life. And then when they get caught out fiddling and all the rest, ooh, oh, oh, as if there's something special. You know, I mean, some of them really behave as if they're royalty. I promise you, you've no idea what some of them are like. I could tell you stories about, you know, uh, MPs who come in to here and have been in subsequently over the years, whose attitude stinks. You know, they expect to be treated as if they're some sort of god or something. Absolute rubbish. Uh, a whole list of uh, people here today, people like William Patterson, Andrew Spooner, Jimenez, uh, Mello, Jonathan Lehman, they're all crooks living on the Costa del Crime. And what they're doing now is um, they're asking people to shop them, if you've seen where they are. It's their biggest crackdown yet. Uh, these high-profile British gangland figures, thought to be holed up in the Costa del Sol region, have links to organised crime and violence. Uh, one of them here, Jamie Dempsey... Derek Ferguson. Some of them do look as if they, they could be criminals. You know, when you look at a picture of somebody, you go, you look like you're in show business. You look like, oh, you look like a criminal. You could see a picture of mad Frankie Fraser, certified criminally insane three times, and you would know that what he did was, in fact, not, you know, above the law. We were underneath the law, Steve. And he sat here in the studio, and I kept thinking, you're barking mad. But, but to be honest with you, he became fascinating for that reason, because he was an enforcer for the craze. And, and he had no, no qualms about talking about it, and that's what I found very interesting. And I've met quite a few. Met quite a few of these, uh, these gangland people from a long time ago. Yeah, nowadays, I think they, they tend to be onto internet crime. Why would you bother, unless you're really stupid, smuggling in heroin and cocaine when you can sort of fleece people out of their money just by sending out a quick internet message? And that's the way it works, unfortunately, nowadays. People go, yeah, Amanda's had an internet message. Oh, not a dark... What? Oh... She's had a... It's a dying lady, and it's a billionaire husband. And, oh, dear. Does she want help with the bank account? Oh, he's, di he's died, has he? Oh, she hasn't asked money. You must reply, Amanda. How can I help? Write back. I'm, I'm so sorry. Write back. How can I help? Because on my one, when I replied to my one... Yeah. On my one, when I replied, they were back straight away with, here is the account number in Amsterdam, if you could, like... And then let me know when you put the money in. She hasn't asked for money. 30% of 25 million to Amanda. Isn't that... Do you know, some people are so generous, and 70% of it to charity. I mean, that is just... It's quite touching, you know. I think you should reply. You could do with 30%. I mean, we could all do with that. Write right back and say, 
Hello. Um, so sorry for your recent loss. How can I help? She died. Oh, so, say, I hope you live long enough to get the money to me. I've got some bills to pay. And by the way, I just inherited £100,000 from my uncle. That'll, that'll tempt her. She'll love that. I've got some money as well. If you're going to give to charity, should we do a joint donation? She'll be there like a, like a flash. How funny. Isn't it funny where these things come from? I love them. I love them. Because I can't believe people are that stupid and fall for them. But there's a, a woman in the paper today, and I only heard about the story because it was, uh, it was on Christo's programme. I wouldn't have found it otherwise. And it's about a woman who didn't use her disabled badge for parking. And so she got a ticket, and she saw the traffic warden, and she went, I'm disabled, I just haven't put my badge on the thing. He said, well, you got a ticket, you know. So she, she lifted up her trouser leg and unscrewed her leg for him and took it off. Still wasn't convinced. And so she wrote to the parking company. The parking company said, no, you've got to pay. I can see you, you're, 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 you're disabled, but you didn't have your disabled badge displayed. You know, display the badge. No good coming back afterwards. So they're, they're hounding her for the money. But imagine that, trying to say, look, I'm really disabled. Look, I don't have a leg. Should I take the other one off as well? Perhaps I'll just hop around on the floor for you. Does that make it better? I forgot to put the badge on. Although, to be honest, I don't know how you ever forget to put the badge on, because most of the ones around Kingston Way are so bent, they just, uh, they just sort of seem to have it there all the time. And they sit there waiting to make sure nobody's watching. I watch. Eyes like a hawk, me. I'm there straight away. Uh, Paul did see Roger Foss on Inside Out, because Roger was on Inside Out. Very well presented and researched, and as for the bit where Roger confronted the taggers, move over Roger Cook, Mr Foss is in the house. Remember you saying last week Roger was nervous about filming it, but after watching, I think he's added another string to his bow. And he said, maybe, as a mere Mancunian... How good it would be to see you and Roger doing a report on the Brick Lane musical, or better yet, the Hippodrome. He said, another passing as well, I'm afraid. Sorry to tell you, the passing of Alfred Burke. Uh, Alfred Burke was forever known, or will be, I suppose, as Frank Marker in Public Eye. Out on DVD, Paul. I have the box set. I looked at only the other day. Uh, I always thought, he says, a very underrated actor, couldn't believe he was 92 but still working in the Harry Potter films up to the other year. Thoughts and respects to the family. 92, you see. When I have a bad day, when my illness gets bad, and I sort of sit here thinking, oh, God, am I going to go today? And I do think like that occasionally. <laughs> and you look at somebody of 92, and you think, I think it's the work that keeps you young. Whee! <laughs> Although I have developed this blooming cough at the moment, and when I say a cough, it really is racking my chest on this one. I cough and it hurts my chest at the same time. So, and look at me, she's, she's brought the coffee in, the froth has now dissolved off the top, which is always good news. The coffee is dissolved in, and quite delicious, ladies and gentlemen, quite delicious. <laughs> oh, we love a couple of cookies. I bought her a present today. She gets me coffee, and I went out yesterday, because I had a bit of a, I'll tell you about it in a moment, but I had a bit of a session. I've now got a bit of a worry going on with the ageing process. I don't want to be my age. You know, coming up 40, it's, it's a turning point, I'm afraid. <laughs> Quarter to six, these are the headlines. At least 65 people have died in New Zealand after the city of Christchurch was hit by its second major earthquake in six months. The quake, measuring 6.3 on the Richter, has caused widespread damage across the city. The Libyan leader, Colonel Gaddafi, has appeared on state television denying rumours that he'd fled the country. David Cameron, speaking on a tour of the Middle East, has described Libya's crackdown on protesters as completely appalling. And new guidelines are expected to say white couples should be allowed to adopt black and ethnic minority children. Advice being published by the Education Secretary, Michael Gove, will make it clear that race shouldn't be a deal-breaker. Check on the roads for you this morning. We always get you there. Jay Louise.
Thank you, Steve. Good morning. What a nice, quiet start, dare I say it. In Fulham, though, you can expect delays on the Fulham Palace Road again this morning because of temporary lights. Now, they're at the junction with Lily Road. They've got some waterworks going on there. It did cause a delay yesterday, so I'm afraid expect more of the same again today. And then Fulham Road in Chelsea is still shut eastbound from... Morning, everybody. So I go out yesterday and I've decided that as the ageing process takes a hold and technically speaking, blokes are not supposed to have anything in the bathroom. Well, if you thaw mine, you know, you'd be going, blimey. Because if, if there's something comes out and I think it's, it's going to be good for me, I tend to be a bit led by the advertising at the moment. So I go to Costco and they've got some of this oil of oule. And they've got it, they do it in their own packaging. So it's all of Oule, but they do it in a bigger packaging. I think Stop Shoplifting or something. Anyway, whatever it is. And so I, I, bought, I bought the one that I've been using, which is the, you know, tightens and firms everything up. I'm using it everywhere. And it uh, hasn't worked, hasn't worked at the moment. But I'm putting it on anyway. And then she says it's supposed to go under, under your moisturiser. Well, like, like I've got a bathroom full of moisturiser. And so then while I was there, I noticed this thing which fills in fine lines and, and cracks. So I bought a tube of that as well. And then I saw a thing from all of Uli, again, which is little things for putting under your eye. And you get little sachets in there. There's about ten little... Look quite good, actually, so I bought that as well. And then I bought a thing for tired eyes, which you close your eyes and spray over the... T- I got. Qu- I came out of there looking like Boots the Chemist. Or Goods, actually. But uh, it's, it, I found it really quite fascinating. So I came out of there, and when I get home, I take all the wrapping off and I put them up in the bathroom. I'm running out of room in the bathroom. I've got stuff in there, like, you know, you'd be going... Where you? Sometimes I have to check the sell-by dates. There's no point in putting stuff on your eyes, around your eyes, because that's apparently where, where the, the ageing process is, around your eyes. Although in the case of a picture of poor old Tess Daly in the paper today, it's her neck. She, they say she's obviously dieted too much, and they say she's got this turkey neck, which is where... You've, you've lost a lot of weight and all the veins in your neck stick out. Now, it's either that, they've said, or it was a, a picture taken badly. It could have been a bad... Yeah, if, if you actually... If, if you stretch your neck upwards, you know, there's a chance that you're not going to look that, that, that good. Well, I mean, I, I look that good, you know, if I stretch... Because I'm a man, sometimes. Uh, Kerry Katona says, uh, don't put Jordan anywhere near me. Shouldn't imagine she'd want to be anywhere near you, I'm afraid, dear. I don't think anybody wants to be anywhere near either of you, which is good news. Uh, who else? Adele, Biffitt. I've never heard of some of these people. I thought I was fairly hip with the, with the Brit Awards, but I'm, I'm obviously not as hip as I thought. French squatters, who forced their way into a family's million-pound new home, have now had free legal aid to help them stay. I kind of... Do you know, we must be the only dumbos in the entire world who you can break into somebody's house... And then you can go to court, and the person who owns the house can't kick you out. Anywhere else, they'd be in there with machetes. Out of my property. Out of my property. Over here, we, we seem to let people get away with that, don't we? It's just absolutely ludicrous. Here they are. They're raising money for... <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. Uh, Red Nose Comic Relief. And uh, celebrities who aren't actually working at the moment... Uh, can find time to go out there, and under the guise of charity, they can actually get themselves back on the television again. So you've got uh, Lorraine... Lorraine's still going, and uh, Scott Mills, again. Quite a lot of charity work at the moment. Ollie Murs, apparently has been taken under Lorraine's wing. Must be as tiny as her, then. And uh, Cara Toynton. Oh, and Dermot O'Dreary, who apparently snores loudly every night. That kind of puts you off, doesn't it, really? Snoring, not, not an attractive thing for most people. It's the bane of more marriages. More people say that their, their marriage is ruined by the snoring. Because it's... it's and, and the reason you can tell if somebody snores is they'll either be overweight uh, or they'll smoke um, 
or what else would it be? Overweight, smoking, and eating lots of fatty food that makes you snore. And so people sort of say, you know, do you snore? I go, I've got the faintest idea. I really don't have the faintest idea. But now we know that Dermot O'Dreary snores. Every time you look at him on the television, all you're going to be thinking about is he snores. That's what you'll be thinking. Every time, I know I am. Uh, Phil says, I see Guy Ritchie's squatters have been moved out of his place in record time. Yeah, and into a pub. They found an empty pub next door. And so they've, they've moved into that. Which, which is a bit of a shame. But it was an empty pub. It was, it was boarded up. Um, what's the difference between Kerry Katona and a chicken and mushroom pot noodle? Answer, I could really fancy a pot noodle. Oh, you don't, do you? Mind you, I, I have had days where I've eaten pot noodles. There used to be a gag, didn't there? There used to be a gag, which was, uh, I think, from... Who did... Somebody used to do the gag, say, pot noodle. Why don't you just empty it into the toilet and cut out the middle, man? He said, pot noodle was always a thing. When you pulled the cooker out years ago... Remember pulling the cooker out to clean behind it? I used to have a gas cooker, and you pulled it out to clean behind... I don't know where this stuff came from, but it just appeared behind the cooker. And you'd clear it all out, they said, and, and that's what they put into pot noodle. And then they relaunched pot noodle... And we tried it in here, and I could still never manage to melt all the stuff in the bottom. It ends up with some powder in there and everything else. Davy Jones, he says, literally comes from my neck of the woods, two roads away. Started his career on Coronation Street. Yes, he was Ina's grandson. Yes, I remember that. I've, I've got uh, pictures of him when he was in it. When he was in it, which is fantastic. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Actually, the funny, you'd laugh. You'd laugh around Twickenham. All these street cleaners who earn about 300 and something pounds a week. But then if they work on a Sunday, they get extra money. Uh, don't all work that hard. But they've now been sponsored on the back of their little fluorescent jackets. Why do you have to give them fluorescent jackets? They're pushing a blooming bin. You know, you're not going to miss them, is it? Because we go, oh, street cleaners. What's that? Why do they put them in fluorescent jackets? I mean, well, if, they're, if they're on the pavements. But some of them, a couple of them just leave their bins in the middle of the pavement. Why nobody's ever fallen over them, I've got no idea. Many of the time I thought, I could get some money out of the council if I just sort of threw myself into a bin. You know, and went, excuse me, they shouldn't have left that there. They should have been parked at the side of the road. 84850, uh, Another one here. Oh, this is from Martin. Remember I told you yesterday about the Cleveland Street Workhouse, which they say was the role model, the model for Charles Dickens's Oliver Twist, because it was a workhouse. It's what Oliver Twist was called, come here, workhouse. I like doing that accent. You know, it quite frightens me, actually. All of a sudden, I've discovered a new dimension. Come here, workhouse. Get on your bike. Get out my pub. I'm quite frightening myself. Anyway, and, uh, and Martin mentioned it to us the other day, because they need some support. Otherwise, it's going to be knocked down. It'll be turned into something ghastly, like flats or something. Like we need more flats. You know, so this is the Cleveland Street workhouse. You can type it in on Google, find out all about it. He says, I've heard you talking about magazines such as Country Life. So, uh, in case you don't have the new issue, I have it every week. I have it every week. In fact, that's where I saw the picture of the Cleveland Street Workhouse. So I knew all about it, because they, they did a feature on it, which is... Uh, which is like, I love stuff like that. I love looking... I do, but I love Country Life, but only to look at the houses. It's really... I know it sounds really... Doesn't it sound naff? You buy it and you go, I always think, if they're so nice, why are they selling them? You know, and then you think, you're in the middle of nowhere. And you think, oh, it's dark at night. I don't think I'd be very good out there. And then I've looked at a couple of other houses, and you all checked out the other week when I said that there was a £12 million house come up in Petersham, which looks like it was an old church. But it's got the biggest sitting room you've ever seen. I mean, putting, you know, a three-piece suite and a, a couple of chairs in there is lost, because it's a church. It's just vast, and it's got a pool and everything. And I thought, I could live in that. I could, I could live in that, I thought. Yeah, if I was, if I was involved in organised crime... Do you know, the trouble is, I don't think I'd be any good at organised crime. I could be in the getaway car, couldn't I? And it would stall 
or something like that. I'd have to tell somebody. I couldn't actually get involved in a crime and then not come on air and tell you. I'd actually get lost. I'd be like, excuse me, we're, we're looking for the, the quickest way out of the... Uh, do, do you know the quickest... I'll take the stocking off my head. Um, we're looking for the quickest way out of the city. <laughs> you can imagine, can't, I'd give myself away. I'd have a personalised number plate on the car. You know, Stevie, Steve the Robber or something like that. Uh, looking at the papers this morning with Nick Ferrari. There's Daniel Barnett, who's an employment law barrister with 12 Temple Gardens. Uh, they talk about Labour's immigration policy. Was it their great betrayal? The latest from Libya. Which department can't afford to make cuts at the moment? NHS or the Army? And uh, Liam Fox is cracking down on ballooning costs. When, it, when he said that, I thought he was cutting down on ballooning. I thought, what's a shame, really, because I like a good balloon. Cutting down on the ballooning costs at the MOD. Uh, plus the new adoption guidelines. This is the guidelines which we've talked about on the programme before, which is where they're actually saying it'll be easier to adopt children with a different race, of, from a different race. So, in other words, up until now, they're very keen to place black children with black families, Asian children with Asian families. What they're saying is, everybody, you know, why shouldn't they? The trouble is, there are problems with black children being adopted by white parents because white parents have got no idea how to handle hair and stuff like that. It's something that black... You, you go to a black hairdresser, it's completely different from... We used to have a producer here, and uh, she was lovely. But she was able to relax her hair, and it, it looked completely different. Then the next day, she had an afro. And she and all these... Well, you're not going to get white parents. They have to learn all of this kind of stuff. So they start at a slight disadvantage. But the principle's there... It's whether it actually works. Oh, there's another free DVD with the Daily Mail. Another edition of Lark Rise to Candleford. Oh, good. When John was driving his car along the... Molly, team, eight minutes. No, it's not. It's seven minutes past. I remember two years ago thinking, if you're sitting at home and you, somebody goes, it's eight minutes past eight, and you go, is it? Good Lord. And, you start, and they go, no, sorry, uh, eight minutes past seven. No, six. No, it's seven minutes past six. And uh, there have been various people who've done breakfast shows over the years who couldn't read the clock. And, and I have made the same mistake myself. I didn't realise how much people relied on it in the morning. And uh, you get people say, although I'm always amazed at, I get off the train at Twickenham. There seems to be, they, they seem to time the train so that my one comes in. And if some people are doing a connection to Waterloo, why are you going to be on my one? But they then have to cross platforms and the train comes in, but for some reason it seems to take them a long while between the train arriving at the station and the man pushing the button to open the doors. You can manage to open his door fairly quickly, but the rest of us have to sit... Whereas if I was the guard, I'd be chatting away on the microphone. Good morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Uh, we'll be meandering our way along the line. I would drive people crackers. I would. There was a girl the other day. I'm sitting at the, at the back of the train, and it's the quiet carriage again. You know the one that's got the picture on the window, which nobody ever sees, of a mobile phone with a big cross through it, headphones with a big cross. That means don't use your mobile phone. It's showing consideration. So this girl gets on, and uh, she's one of these people. She puts her feet up on the wall in front of her. Drives me ballistic. Absolutely. Oh, I don't like them on the seats either. I've seen people put them on the seats. Common, horrible people, dirty people. But anyway, she immediately starts going on her phone. And so I'm doing the usual thing. I'm sitting at the back, because you never know whether, you know whether they're going to turn completely do-lally. And I'm going, like this, or I do my whole huffing and puffing bit, sort of, and sort of casually looking up at the window, hoping she might be intelligent enough to realise that, that this is the quiet carriage. I don't want to listen to her stupid phone call first thing in the morning. You know, want to make a phone call, go sit on the roof, do something interesting. Anyways, you've heard already, the monkeys are set to reform... Big fan. Big fan. It's going to be their first UK tour in 12 years. Davy Jones, Mickey Dolenz and Peter Talk 
will return to perform in front of their British fans. Uh, now, they're a little bit older than they were last time. Average age, 65. But uh, if you've got the DVD that you can buy on Amazon of their show in America, you'll know that they can, they can reproduce the sound. Oh, not bad. Not bad. Mickey, Mickey Dolenz seems to take lead vocals on practically all the songs. They did have some of the biggest hits of the 60s. They sold 50 million records. Daydream Believer, Last Trade to Clarksville, I'm a Believer. Very popular, the word believer in songs, I've noticed. I'm Not Your Stepping Stone. And it was the TV series. And I remember when they auditioned, they were looking for wild, wacky people to be in this TV show. And they auditioned loads of people. And they showed on television a while ago, and I don't know if it's available anywhere, the auditions of them where you had to go into the show and you have to be wild and wacky. And I remember thinking then, it was quite something to do. To, they, were, they wanted something off the wall, and they didn't sing. And so what they ended up doing was, they had to sort of learn how to sing. Because I'm, I'm sure for their first songs on the pro Because each show featured a couple of songs. And they would then get out there. And they looked really good. The, the reason that uh, one of them doesn't appear is because he's got enough money, Michael Nesmith, and he doesn't really feel that it'd be that kind of thing. He might do it, the dates that they've got here, and they're, they're going to call it uh, unfinished monkey business. Although, to be, to be honest with you, they did own, the, some of the songs you'll love, if, if you go, I mean, I was amazed at how many songs weren't big hits, but I remembered from the, uh, from the TV show. They did go on to tour the world. They did have hit albums and singles. They did make a very surreal film, uh, 1968 head. Yeah. Oh, well, you knew that. How do you know that? Oh, my goodness me. But it did inspire lots of other groups. Without the monkeys, you'd never have had the Backstreet Boys. No Take That. No Boys Own. No Busted. No JLS. Even the Sex Pistols made I'm Not Your Stepping Stone part of their repertoire. So the dates that they've got are May the 12th up in Liverpool. Uh, the 24th of May at the Manchester Apollo. Newcastle. We get them at the Royal Albert Hall on the 19th of May. And it's your birthday, May the 15th. You can go to Newcastle and stay there. And, uh, no, I mean that in a caring way. I don't know, heavens above, obviously. I don't mean that in a rude way. It's your birthday, then, May the 15th. Good Lord. Try and forget that one. Uh, they're doing Birmingham, Plymouth, Cardiff and Nottingham. So it's the Royal Albert Hall on May the 19th. I can't wait to see what the fans... Apart from Noreen and me and her next door. But it, it prompted me to, to ask a question. Um... After the news that the monkeys are to reform, what groups from the past would you like to see reunite? I'm going for Chirpy Chirpy Cheap Cheap, I think, with Middle of the Road. <laughs> I'd like to see them reunite. So who would you like to see reunite that, that hasn't reunited? Because most of them do drag themselves out there. When you think, I think, that Peter Talk is 68 now. And it just doesn't, it doesn't seem possible because when you watch television programmes or you watch films, they're always ageless and they're always... Because when, when I saw Davy Jones, who was the little one in the group, and he does at the beginning, he says, oh, don't, don't pick on me just because I'm small. Oh, I could... Uh, and, and we all... Oh, you're so great. I mean, you have to realise now it's a 65-year-old man doing this song. It's not quite the same, but it's, it's interesting nevertheless. So what groups from the past would you like to see reform? 84850... Or you can tweet me, LBC973. I quite like it. They've, they've had a couple of songs. In fact, I think I even put some on my, uh, on my iPod. <laughs> God, I'm that sad. I'm that sad because, you know, I absolutely love all these things. And it's, it's, uh, I think out of all my listeners, I would think that Noreen probably spends most of her time, most of her time, 
going to these revivals. We went to see PJ Probury, Probury the other week. Um, let's see if we've, if I've got any... Ma- the trouble is, some of these songs you won't even remember because they weren't, they weren't big hits for them, which, which was a shame. Uh, they did record a lot of Neil Diamond uh, stuff as well. Do you know I used to like grooving with Mr Blow? That wasn't a monkey song. I just like grooving with Mr Blow. And, oh, I'm, I'm quite... Oh, the monkeys. Here we go. I've got... Oh, blimey. I've got two albums, The Definitive Monkeys and Hey, Hey, It's the Monkeys. Because that was it. Here we come, walking down the street. And it was just wild and wacky. Valerie was one of their big songs. And two of them, one was Listen to the Band. In those days, I must tell you, and Noreen will bear this out, that no record was ever as long as three minutes. 2.19 was Valerie. Listen to the Band was 2.31. And another very good song, which I think came out from this album in 2005, was That Was Then, This Is Now. And you you need to check them out on YouTube. That was then... This is now. They sound really... I didn't know you were such a fan of the monkeys. Did you love Davy Jones? Did you fall in love? See, everybody fell in love with Davy Jones. Yeah. Oh, it's the re- yeah. I watched them first time round. Yeah. It's even more depressing. So, and have you seen a group you used to love and wish you hadn't? You know, when you go along and you go, oh, they're not very good. Yeah, I wish I'd seen them back in the day. Yeah, when, when everybody was like, it was all... Fr- it would have been nice, actually, wouldn't it? I'm sure it was better. Uh, Minnie says, MasterChef. I think we're all waking up to the revoltingness of this food. All the fat, the sugar, the meat, the salt. The best food has lots of herbs and spices, a little fat and meat, and certainly not refined white sugar and salt. You can't taste it. Actually, smoking doesn't help. If ever you give up smoking, you'll suddenly realise you can taste food completely different. Chris says, I used to work with a girl who'd pour her prepared pot noodle into a bowl to eat. I thought she had class. I know, that's it. If you can actually pour the pot noodle out and try and work out what, what, what the powder is made of at the bottom of the thing that never used to dissolve... Uh, Culture Club are getting back together again, says Connie. Be nice to see them back again. As long as he doesn't have any tantrums, it'll be fantastic. That's quite a good reform. Especially, can you imagine that you're in the group and then Boy George writes about his relationship with somebody in the group and they go, oh my God, he's decided to tell everybody. But the monkey's getting back together. So who would you like to see back together again? And who did you see and wished you hadn't? 84850 or LBC 973. With the news headlines, Sam Pittis. At least 65 people have died after an earthquake in the city of Christchurch. Just made all the hairs on her arms stand on end. We were just, I was just going through my iPod and I just played a little bit of Listen to the Band from the Monkeys now that they're getting back together again. And just for this, this one tour, I think Catch Them While They're Alive, I think, would be the thing. I mean, 65 and 68... I think is the age they are. But, I mean, if, if you grew up with the monkeys, and uh, I, I grew up with Peter, Paul and Mary, and uh, the Allisons, people like that. But so I was quite, quite grateful when they sort of ran all the monkey shows on the television. So what groups from the past would you like to see reunite? And which group did you go and see? And you went, oh, I wish I hadn't. I wish I hadn't. Actually, strangely enough, on, on the subject of uh, music, word reaches me of an exciting new pop music double act. Cliff Richard and Scylla Black. Now, both prefer, as you know, to spend wintering these days in Barbados, where they've begun to sing together at plush parties and make money for charity at the same time. I usually pick her up in my Ford truck, says Cliff, who's 70, and we make grand entrances together. One night, uh, recently, some folks bid quite a lot of money to have dinner with Scylla and me at my home, and then somebody offered twice as much for me to get up and sing. You see, I mean, you don't need to ask... You see, I mean, I'm a big, big Scylla fan. I've got a lot of Scylla songs that were never big hits. And I used to pl- play them overnight on LBC. <laughs> oh, dear. Happy days, as they say. Uh, um, Al said, I'd like to see the Brotherhood of Man reform. 
I can think of a couple of people from Brotherhood of Man who'll be listening at this precise moment saying, yes, I'd like to see that as well. Uh, Guns and Roses, says uh, Chantel. Slash is a brilliant guitarist. You see, and strange enough, I have heard of Slash. <laughs> I couldn't pick him out of a lineup if somebody said... You know, they do that programme on the television where they say, and here was the group, you know something and the poppadoms or whatever it was and they line up and this was the bass guitarist and there's four people standing there and you have to try and pick out which one it is i'm, I'm hopeless on those i'm afraid the kinks yes because we had really really good in conversation didn't we and uh, they were good did you go see the thing with the choir that was with the crouch end chorus wasn't it i listened to that a lot we are the village green preservation society i love that um steve your producer and i share the same birthday ben and clam Oh, posh. Uh, Mary says, signed the Cleveland Street petition. Never heard of that building, so I'm reading all about it now. You should, actually. You should you should care about buildings that are all around us here in London. That's why it was so important that you went and had a look, because you'll never get the opportunity again to see the inside of the Hippodrome covered in scaffolding and the pictures of, uh, of Frank Matcham's once great theatre. Now, you know, completely different, but with some surviving bits from the 1900s. You have to go and check it out. lbc.co.uk. Sophie says, I saw the monkeys in the 90s and late 80s. They were fab. I met Peter Talk at the gig and he was lovely. He was, actually. He came in here and everybody's going, you've got Peter talking from the monkeys. You've got Peter talking from the monkeys. And, and he was fabulous. He said, we, we've decided that we're going to have to get either Mickey Dolenz or... Da- I want Davy Jones in, because he does... He's been married twice, I think. Lives, divides his time between Florida and here. And I think he breeds horses. He breeds horses. But, you see, I mean, you just have to... You just want to talk to these people. Tony in Essex wants the village people to reform. Well, I bet you do. Well, I bet you... Why am I thinking... <laughs> Actually, strangely enough, the only group that only one person was gay, and it was the least likely one who was gay, wasn't it? Everybody was going, oh, right, he's, he's gay. No, he, he's, he's gay. No, he's not gay either. Which one was it? It was the policeman. OK, there you go. Bit of a surprise there. Uh, I want to see Peter Noon and Herman Hermit's reform, says Belinda. Well, Peter Noon, we talked to on In Conversation. Um, he works on a radio station in America playing um, what they call gold music now. And they do still go out. Occasionally, I don't think it's the original Herman's Hermits. I think it's Peter Noon goes out. But I tell you, still touring in America, Gary Puckett. Remember Gary Puckett in the Union Gap? Young girl, get out of my mind. Which is good. Woman. Uh, Debbie says, I want to see uh, Shaky and Stevens and the Sunsets or Paper Lace. I'm seeing Shaky in concert on Friday. Can't wait. Last time I saw him, I was 15. I'm now 42. I think you find he's changed a bit, OK? I'm only just telling you that now. From a distance, he'll look exactly the same. Uh, Dee says, I used to love the monkeys, though my heart was always with the Beatles. The monkeys seemed more available because they were on the television. <laughs> yes, that's right. You never saw the Beatles on telly all the time, did you? It was always the monkeys were there. And did, did you try and do that with your friends? You linked arms and walked down the street with one... Yeah, I did that too. Um, Bridget says, I used to love Davy Jones, but I was horrified to see him on the one show. He looked like a pol- podgy middle-aged man. I had to turn over to the other channel. Yes, you tend to forget the ageing process. If, if the image in your mind is of, you know, what they looked like when they were kids in America, and they were, sounds like a song title, with a kid, then... Anyway, and, um, and you're right. I mean, now he is, he's a 65-year-old man. He's putting on a little bit of weight, like all of us do, sadly. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I quite like the idea of Cilla Black and Cliff Richard touring. I quite like that. That, that. that could work for me, I think. That could work for me quite well. Here is this poor woman here, Sylvia Taylor, who we mentioned earlier on, who's the one who had to show her, her uh, false leg 
to the traffic warden, who still gave her a ticket, unfortunately, and decided that, you know, you're not displaying your, uh, your blue badge, and uh, you should be, so you're going to have to pay for the ticket. And uh, he says, um, a, a spokesman for Euro Car Park says, disabled badge holders cannot use the disabled bay without a valid badge. It's not our intention to cause problems for genuine customers, but if we fail to issue a parking charge notice to a vehicle abusing the disabled bay, we are not providing the service to our client. So, there you go. Uh, in the young ones, Alexis Sale, midway through a scene of being nutty, would stop and take out a pot noodle and say, at around this time, I usually have a pot noodle, it's lovely, and then jump straight back into character. Alan says, I met you with Freddie Foreman at the premiere of Sparrows Can't Sing back in 2001. You did. You did. Because we went to that lovely cinema in the Mile End Road, that private cinema. Everybody was there. It was all the old, all the old names and faces. Yes, Freddie Foreman was... Everybody was there. I think Frankie Fraser was there as well. There were loads of other people. I was the only one who wasn't a criminal. <laughs> Although I did actually pinch an ice cream once, but that's another story. <laughs> uh, Ian says, I complained to a train guard about the mobiles in the quiet zone. The reply I got was, it's a courtesy request and not a law. So I said, if it doesn't mean anything, why don't you take the stickers off the train? Well, I agree, most people don't understand it. It's like sometimes I've sat on the train and the guard goes, um, and will you please remember not to put your feet on the seats? If I was the guard, I'd be going, get your... off! Oh, it just drives me insane. Filthy people. Uh, awful. Uh, 84850. Steve at LBC.co.uk. So w- I'd love to know which groups you went to see. And then you, um, and then you came away and you went, oh, I wish I'd not seen them. Because they weren't as good. I always wanted to see, I think Noreen has seen Wayne Fontana. Because one of my all-time favourite records was Pamela Pamela. It was only a short record, but I loved it and, and still play it to this uh, day. Helen in Dulwich says, I'd be great, 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 in the James Mason film where he's walking around describing famous sites. Uh, it's called The London Nobody Knows. God, your memory's very good this morning, isn't it? Very good. It's very good. You know, sometimes I sit here staring and thinking... I mean, I walked into Marks and Spencer's yesterday and I said to the girls behind the counter... I picked up a few items. I got to the girls behind the counter. They said, how are you today, Steve? I went, I'm fine. I said, but I came in for something and I'm blowed if I can remember what it is. I said, I've picked up a few bits and pieces. I said, but I came in for something specifically. But I can't remember. I said, and I'm finding it very depressing at this age. Hitting 40, you know, the big four zero. Obviously, it's all collapsing. And uh, so I thought we'd start with the face and then work downwards. But I couldn't remember. I walked around the store thinking, perhaps something will jog my mind. I'll walk around and go, oh, ice cream or fruit or something. And I, and I walked and I couldn't, I couldn't think what it was. I couldn't think what it was. And I, had a, I felt a bit bad yesterday. If I'm feeling a bit ill today, it's because I'm afraid I had a, um, um, I forgot what it is now, a sherry trifle, a little mini sherry trifle. And my friend Helena said, she said, you're not supposed to have sherry trifle. And I said, yeah, I said, but I'm quite good. I scrape the cream off the top and throw it away. And she said, well, it's still not good for you. And fruit in there and there's a bit of sherry. So I'm convinced it's my five a day. It's not. A- I had a very nice letter in from uh, Dunstable in Bedfordshire. And this is, this is from uh, Dominic. Um, thank you very much indeed for that letter. I won't, I won't mention all the details, but just to say, I'm glad you're an LBC listener. A particularly difficult time. OK, we'll leave it there. LBC 97.3. So, come, I love my new job as a chef. Or as the French say, adore mon nouveau travail. The second vacuum cleaner felt his heart beat faster and faster. You're so lucky. My mum always thought I'd be a chef. But it isn't luck. Morning, everybody. Don't forget Kevin Maguire in for O'Brien this morning. He's uh, still away, serving the Asbo. Uh, Petri will be here at one. 
And then uh, James Whale will be here at four o'clock today. Joe would love to see ABBA, but fear fears would have to remortgage the house to afford it. Is I'd like to see ABBA. I tell you what are good though, and I, I've, I've said it time and time again. It's the it's these um, tribute bands. I mean, they really are good. I mean, you know that I've worked before with quite a lot of tribute bands, <laughs> including uh, an ABBA tribute band who were very good, and uh, Bootleg Beatles, who I thought were fantastic, Counterfeit Stones, fantastic, and really, really good. And they can recreate the sound. Perhaps we can have a... I'm sure that there must be a monkeys band, mustn't there? A tribute band to the monkeys. Because what we're looking at, now that the monkeys are coming back to do this... 45th anniversary tour. Three of them. We don't think that Mike Nesmith, who is part of the original lineup, will be uh, in there because he's very busy. He's producing. They say he might just turn up maybe for the Albert Hall gig because that that would be really nice, actually. So we're asking you for groups that you've seen uh, that you you, you came away and went, oh, they weren't that good. Or groups that um, you would like to see reform again. Uh, I used to like David Jones, says Bridget, but was horrified when I saw him because he's put on. Uh, did you know uh, everything? Oh, sorry, John says, you know everything. Can I buy Mickey Dolenz in Circus Boy? You can, but it's, it's called a pirate copy. There is a site devoted. I only found this out because that's where Mickey Dolenz started his life, on Circus Boy, uh, which was the life... It was a fantastic series about life uh, in a circus in America, and he starts off riding an elephant. He's a little blonde-haired lad in it, really cute, but the sites... If you, if you type in Circus Boy and Google, it takes you to a site in Canada where they're, they're, they're fans of it, and they, they've got everything, absolutely everything. Uh, June saw David Cassidy at the Hammersmith Apollo and wished I hadn't. Oh, she says, his voice was still good, but he wanted to sing his new songs, and us 50-somethings wanted to swoon at, could it be forever? Oh, is mum, oh do you remember when David Cassidy came over? I've interviewed David Cassidy for, I think it was, that remembers me, and uh, I think he came in for that one. And, uh, and... I lo- the trouble is with David Cassidy, what people didn't realise, you know he's just been done for drink driving in America, is that far from being, you know, the pretty boy in the Partridge family, there was the wild side. The wild side of all the things. And his best friend is Alice Cooper. And they go out and they booze it up and they do all kinds of things. But uh, you're right. When you go and see somebody, you go, you want them to sing all the old hits. And he did have hits. He, did, he, he re-recorded a lot of them for his new album at the time. But when they come on and they sing, you get no, can you sing, you know, all that dreamy stuff that we used to go, hasn't he got great hair? I used to think I look like David. OK, maybe not. Um, <laughs> June says, the monkeys were on the one show, they look really old. Well, they're 65 <laughs> and nearly 70. You know, you, you don't expect them to come on and look like they did years ago. Uh, it must be Manfred Mann. Come on with that. I used to think that the lead singer was Manfred Mann. It was supposed to the organist in the group. The organist was Manfred Mann, and uh, my name is Jack, and I live at the back. I used to love all those songs. Come on without, come on within. Scylla's going to be in Benidorm on Friday. My dream came true, says Michael, when Chaz and Dave reformed. I know, just for that one-off, wasn't it? Just for that one-off. Happy birthday to Denise in Basildon, says Mervyn. She listens every day. She thinks so, too. There's nothing else down there, is there, in Basildon, let's face it. The motors should reform. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of buying that one as well. Deborah thinks ABBA getting back together would be good. Uh, Paul in Richmond, oh, I want the donkeys. We, we don't remember those, dear. We don't remember those. And, and as Paul Simon said, as he finally left the stage at the High Park reunion with Art Garfunkel, because they hated each other, see you when we're 80, 
They were superb. I've got them when they did their tour in America, and I've got the DVD of them playing Madison Square Garden. Oh, my goodness me. All you got was the hits. All you get, that's all anybody, because you know, for years they never spoke to each other. They both went off and did separate things. Paul went over to South Africa and uh, Art did his bright eyes. And it, it's really super when they go from one great song into Bridge Over Troubled Water, and that's when the place erupts like mad. The Wombles and the Bay City Rollers. Speak to my friend Mike Bat about the Wombles. <laughs> They must have sweated in those suits. Sorry to ruin it for anybody. And the Bay City Rollers. Well, in fact, strangely enough, they were doing something a short while ago. They had slight problems in the group. I won't go into the finer detail, but the manager, Tam Payton, was a, was a renowned um, predatory homosexual who liked young boys from Glasgow, and that's as far as we'll go. But in their day, and when they had the TV programme Shangalang, they were they just walked it. You know, all the girls were there with the very strange half-mast trousers. I think I've still got some. We call them shorts nowadays. And then you'd have your, your banner and you'd go up, and, and, then, and then, of course, it happened with Bross. Not now, of course. Uh, if it's about the music, it's the Beatles, because they've never really gone, Steve, says Mal in Forest Gate. Yeah, it's true. They have. If you go and if you want to see a really, really good tribute band, go see the Bootleg Beatles. Not only do they look good, they sound exactly the same, and they do. It's they're just brilliant. Sue Epsom says Brotherhood of Man are still the same four singers and still working. I know, because I'm Martin Lee's sister-in-law. <laughs> I know, I know these things. Uh, so that's good. Malcolm says, what about Billy J. Kramer and the Dakotas? Little children. Can... Oh, I know. We're just just going down this memory lane trip today. Uh, Steve, how about Atomic Kitten? Yes, I mean, there's, I think there is an argument for bringing back Atomic Kitten with uh, the one and only Kerry, I love Columbia, Katona. Yes, I don't think she actually featured on any hit singles, which was the problem. Lolly and Lester says, I'd always wanted to see Blondie and then wish I hadn't. The fab Debbie Harry was a letdown. However, last year I saw Leonard Cohen and at 72 he still had it. Yes, Blondie, yes, Debbie Harry came back... Yeah, we thought she was quite good. She popped up on the on the lottery show, and I, I liked her, actually, then, uh, which I thought was quite good. Do you remember a programme called All Our Yesterdays, says Deborah? I remember it being on TV when I was a little girl, and it was in black and white. I don't, actually. I don't. I can't remember a programme called All Our Yesterdays. Perhaps I'll have to go back into my archives. Lemmy from Motorhead rejoining Hawkwind, says Carl. That would sell out. Hawkwind, big hit single... Um, well, they had Stacia dancing. Silver Machine. I have to think of these things. It's kind of jogging my memory this morning. And uh, Kevin says, you told a story about forgetting what you went into the shop for. What was it? I can't remember. That was the whole idea. I went in there and I bought some things and I came... I came... And I've got no idea. I've got no idea. Kevin the Milkman says, can I be greedy and choose the venue as well? So I'll have the jam reform and they'll, they'll play the marquee. The marquee. Must be older than I thought you were. Uh, Caroline says, I saw Elton John in the 70s, and then years later, really excited about it, and he was so boring, I walked out. I remember when he actually did a concert. He had the Beach Boys over, and it was Elton John and the Beach Boys, and he chose to do songs from his new album at the time, and people going, oh, we wanted to hear all the, all the hits, and you didn't get the hits. You just got... I think he might have done a couple of them. Now, of course, he knows exactly where his bread is buttered. And, uh, and people want to hear all the hits. And even though the artists themselves must be going, so here we go again for about the 1500th time. Do you remember when, um, who was the group? Was it, oh, it wasn't, that's right, it was Norman Greenbaum. 
Norman Greenbaum had a big hit single with something called Spirit in the Sky. And that was their only song. They didn't have anything else. Spirit in the Sky. And so they went on and they did a 40-minute concert with one song. One song. They just repeated Spirit in the Sky, Spirit in the Sky. And because it's such a, it is the sort of song that you can hear again and again and again, but not f- after 40 minutes. Little bit embarrassing, isn't it? Jasper Carrot always tells the story of when he finally entered the charts with a song called Funky Moped, which, of course, wasn't, was the A-side, but the B-side was the one which was getting the plays. It was called Magic Roundabout. I used to play it in discos. It wasn't a, wasn't a song. It was just him telling a story about Magic Roundabout, which was quite rude and funny. And he got booked on the strength of being in the charts to go and play Scumthorpe Baths. And they used to... They used to cover over the baths on a Friday night and he'd go up there for 200 quid and his manager phoned him and said, here, Carrot, he said, I've got you a job at Scunthorpe Baths, 200 quid. And so he goes up there and, of course, they're all expecting somebody who's in the charts with this song, Funky Moped. He said, I ended up playing Harvard Nagila. He said, and get him to sing along. He said, oh, he said, they're all standing there. And I went, thank you, good night. He said, and then disappeared. Because they used to book people on, on the, the strength of being in the charts years ago. One of my favourite bands, says uh, Manda, are reforming this summer. Pulp are playing. Who is the lead singer of Pulp? Um, Jarvis Cocker. Oh, Jarvis Cocker. See, I only ever remember Jarvis Cocker for the, um, for the Michael Jackson thing. That's the only thing I ever remember, Jarvis. I couldn't tell you any of their hit singles. But th- did they have a lot of hit singles? Or were they more an album band or a touring band? They were... They're not... Oh, are they sort of, are, are they 90s sort of band? They did Common People. Oh, right, OK. I might have to go and listen to something like that. Uh, I won't, oh, straight away I won't like it. OK, that's fair enough. I don't mind that. Quarter to seven is the time. And um, apparently, why are men, uh, women are better at forgiving than men? It's interesting, isn't it? Researchers prove they have greater empathy, the ability to put themselves in another person's place, a vital part of the ability to forgive. Men, however, are more likely to feel that the most important part of forgiveness is for the wronged party not to bear a grudge. That's like an argument, isn't it? If, if, you're, if you're married and, and you have... A, there's there's a, a lovely interview, I have to tell you. I'll have to come round to it in a minute because it's, it's so funny, it's almost laughable. And it's with Derek Acora. You remember Derek Acora, don't you? And uh, there's a lovely interview with him in one of the papers. I can't remember which one it is. I think it might be The Sun. It's the biggest pile of rubbish you've ever read in your life. And I have to tell you what a couple of things are, because it's, it's just rubbish. It really is. Quarter to seven. Here with the news headline, Sam Pittis. A major rescue operation's underway in New Zealand after an... Available now. Morning, everybody. Ten to seven is the time. More of your texts and emails coming up in a moment on the um, the groups that you would like to see back together again and the groups you went to see that you weren't over keen on. But here is this hilarious interview with uh, poor old Polly Hudson meeting Derek Acora. To be honest, Polly, you must be the world's most gullible journalist I've ever met. I mean, he's done cold reading on you. He comes up with some really good stuff here. Why didn't you wear the red coat? And your baby to come is a girl. She's waiting to be born. Get on with it. All the kind of things that, you know, that people want to hear. And uh, he also claims that Cheryl and Ashley will reunite and have a child. I guarantee it. Till of course, it doesn't happen, in which case he's going to look very stupid. Uh, and the other one here... I mean, it's classic, this one. Oh, there are quite a few of these texts and emails. Thank you, darling. Uh, he says, um, how are Kate and William going to get on? This is Derek Acora's answer, the man who speaks to dead spirits. Although where he gets this one from, I've got no idea. How will they get on? My information is that they will go the distance. They'll have... I mean, this is classic stuff. They'll have the normal ups and downs, but they'll have three children. I can see them doing a ton of good for our country. 
What a load of old hooey, isn't it? What a load of old hooey. It really is. Obviously, tickets not selling as well as maybe he thought they were in the first place. My commiserations to all the Jewish customers of EasyJet, who were flying back the other day on a four-and-a-half-hour journey from Tel Aviv to London, and they were offered a choice of, um, would you either like ham melts or a bacon baguette? EasyJet have had to apologise. I just imagine get down on your knees and grovel. Never heard of so stupid in my entire life. Passengers who follow the faith ban on eating pork were forced to go hungry for the journey. The airline introduced the route in November, proudly promising that in-flight menus would feature kosher food, meeting Jewish dietary laws. So Victor Kaufman was flabbergasted when the cabin crew announced the meal choices on his trip last weekend. The trainee accountant says it was a little insensitive. He says, I think they need a lesson or two on cultural awareness. It's just not Jewish passengers who don't eat pork, but Muslim ones too. He said, I couldn't eat anything. Yesterday, or vegetarians, exactly. What, 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 well, I mean, they bring it on themselves, as far as I'm concerned. Yesterday, an EasyJet spokesman said, company policy bans even taking pork products aboard planes on the route. She said, it appears that a mistake was made on this flight and that incorrect food canisters were loaded. So when the cabin crew announced, what would you like, ham or bacon, they're, they're, they're not quite realising what's going on. Dreadful, isn't it? Absolute dreadful. Uh, Julie... Says, we're going to see Wayne Fontana, Pamela, Pamela, Vanity Fair, son, 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 Dave Berry, little things, uh, Chris Farlow, you're out of touch, my baby, uh, Terry Sylvester, lead string of the Hollies at one time, at the end of March. We've, uh, we've seen Wayne Fontana and Dave Berry before, and they're great and very funny. So that's good. No, not Dave Berry from XFM, no. Heavens above, Dave Berry from XFM gets on a stage, he's so thin, you don't see him. Tiny little person. I'd love to see the Stranglers reunited for a tour. There you go. That's quite nice, isn't it? The Stranglers. I think so, actually. Uh, Steve, the Monkeys, though innocently joyous, were talentless, didn't play their instruments well enough. Well, they certainly do on stage, let me tell you. Admittedly, Davy Jones only plays tambourine. But, uh, you know, fantastic. Poorest artist I've ever seen, says poor old Dave, is Joe Brown. No, he was fantastic. Wrote some fantastic stuff. You're obviously on a bit of a downer this morning, aren't you? Had a bill in the post? Nobody to love you? You must try and get... It's really terrible. I wish I'd seen the Tornadoes, says Paul. First record I bought was their version of the theme, The Scales of Justice. Sorry to say the group I wished I hadn't seen were the stylistics. Absolutely dire. Betcha by golly well. Remember that one? By the way, quick plug for Michael Grade's two-parter Monday on BBC... Well, I'm certainly not doing that. Heavens above. Oh, it's on the television, is it? The story... 50 Years of Variety. I don't mind 50 Years of Variety. That's quite good. Uh, 84850. Teresa says, stop eating sugar-laden food. I've eaten anything this morning. What are you on about? Are there people on medication listening to this programme? But they should come with a health warning, some of them. Uh, get Queen back with a new lead singer. Robbie Williams. Let's get somebody who can sing, then, shall we, really? Nobody likes Robbie Williams, I'm afraid. Dreadful failure. Uh, how marvellous, says Jason. It would be see George and Patrick, better known as Fabulous Hinge and Bracket. You've only got one, I'm afraid, now. You've only got one. You've only got George Logan, because Patrick Fife died uh, a few years ago, I'm afraid. Surely you remember how, presented by Fred Dynage, Bunty James and Jack Hargreaves, says Alan. I do, actually. I remember Fred Dynage, because he, he, he married um, a woman um, who took her clothes off in a lot of stage shows, and I can't remember what her name was. I remember Bunty James, vaguely, and Jack Hargreave, absolutely. Uh, Julietta, I'd love to see my all-time favourite band, Any Trouble, again. They performed a one-off gig in October 2007 after a break of 23 years. Rick says, I'd love to see Five Star Reform. They were so hot, they mimed. They never sang live in their life. They had a little bit of a contretemps, didn't they, and had to leave the country. And, uh, and that was it. 
Uh, Daniel and Ealing went to see Julie Andrews. He says, uh, a waste of £100. Yeah, but the trouble is, if you're a fan of Julie Andrews, she could stand there and do nothing and she's worth £100. Absolutely. Caroline in Chadwell Heath. Can't wait to see the monkeys at the Royal Albert Hall. The Dooleys should reform, says Susan. I think, to be honest with you, they're still working. The Dooleys, or Girls Aloud, should cover their hit, Love of My Life. Steve, take that without Robbie. Clive from East Ham, what about David Bowie singing again? Yes, Kevin the Milkman is 39. Same as me. Look at that, honestly. It's uncanny, isn't it? Uncanny. My dad was the roadie, says Natasha, for Manfred Mann. A Bermondsey man who had all those Oxford-Cambridge fellas stunned at the fun that could be had in Amsterdam and met so many people from so many wonderful places. Lynn says, a couple of school friends bunked off school to see David Cassidy when he sang at the airport. Unfortunately, they were caught because their faces were all over the newspaper. Is everybody going, yeah? Laura in Gillingham would love to see the Smiths reform. John in Streatham is a big fan of Cherry Gillespie, who was with Pan's Pete. Everybody liked Cherry Gillespie. I like Babs. Babs was blonde, and I used to love Pan's Pete. They were so awful, they were good. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, 8485 True. Oh, sorry, 8485 True, sorry. Uh, I met uh, Charlie Clements last night at the Palace Theatre in South End. He was in The Haunting with Paul Nicholas, says Suzanne. Uh, Peter Enfield wants to see ELO reform. And uh, Luciana went to see Georgie Fame. Brilliant. Yes, I'm led to believe Georgie. In fact, we've, we've had Georgie Fame on a, on a TV show we did a, a while ago. And very good he was too. Very, very good he was too. So he should be. He plays a piano. Uh, 84850. And uh, somebody here recently had a dispute with Euro Car Parks. This after the story in the paper of the lady with her false leg, which didn't go down too well. I went to see Iggy Pop at the Camden Palace, Steve, and I fell asleep. Yes, I can understand that one, actually. It's not, I was never a fan of Iggy Pop. And uh, longest single, 45 minutes, 11 seconds. True landmark by the Beach Boys. No, 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 I'm not in love by 10cc with 6 minutes, 11 seconds. I remember it so well. Listen, we'll do it again tomorrow morning. Don't forget to podcast the programme. You can relive those happy memories of, uh, of yesteryear. So you've got to do the podcast. Check out the pictures of the Hippodrome. Never see them again. And, um, because they might not stay on the website for, uh, for much longer, because we need the space. So go and check all those out. Join Nick and the team after the news at seven o'clock this morning. I'll be back there tomorrow morning at five. Before all of that excitement, it's Sam Pittis with the business update. Thank you, Steve. The FTSE will open after closing down 68 points at 6.